Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High and Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. In this week's Grow Guides, we're talking about good weed, how you make it and how you identify it, and also how you identify bad weed as well. Because regardless of buying things on the legal market or from medical dispensaries, there can still sometimes be problems like mold on the weed or pesticides have been used on it. All these dodgy things that can take place when you're buying cannabis. So we want to make sure that you can identify the good stuff from the bad stuff. There's also hints and tips here on how you can improve your own home grow, like how to dry properly, how to cure properly, what to look for when you're making the best cannabis. And just things like that, just general tips. So this is all about good weed, the the good weed, the bad weed, and the ugly weed. So plenty of good information in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Don't forget you can share it with friends. That would be sweet. And if you have any questions or need any help with anything in this episode, then head over to percysgrowroom.com, sign up. It's 100% free, and you'll be able to ask any questions you have over there, and we'll be able to help you out. So anyway, enjoy the episode, and I'll speak to you at the end of this. Catch you in a bit. So this week we're going to talk about good weed, you know, how to make it. And if you're not making it right now, how to recognize it when you're out there and you're buying it from wherever you're buying it from. I would say if you're out there buying it from the legacy market, but even legal cannabis nowadays will can have problems, can have uh, mold on it or not be as high quality as you would expect. So yep. this is what we're going to be talking about this week is uh, hmm. the good weed. Now, what makes good weed the good the bad and the back appeal. It's a pretty well, cool title, I thought. You know, it was, it was nice. I was like, oh, that's, a, that's a pretty good title right there, man. Yeah. Well, that's good when you do that. Type it in, you're like, yeah, I like that oh, one. That's oh, a wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> Impressed himself, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, bag appeal, for one, is what your cannabis looks like when it's in the jar or in a bag and, you know, how appealing it looks to anybody who might be buying it. I and mean, we don't encourage people to sell their cannabis, but, you know, you still want it to look nice when it's in the jars, right? Sure. When I look at it or when somebody else looks at my weed, I want it to, I want it to be proper, you know what I mean? But look how brown them has. Look how juicy them nugs look. They're yeah. dripping. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's sparkling like diamonds in that jar. Look at that. I'm saying, so we've, so far in the grow guides, we've covered absolutely everything you need to know about growing on cannabis from start to finish, you know, what you need to do to get the equipment to set up the nutrients. Everything is covered since the 1st of January. So if you are looking at learning how to grow, then head over to the start of the episodes, which is around January time and make your way through up until now, where we're telling you how to pretty much look for the good shit how to grow the good shit and we've already told you how to grow the good shit but there's certain things which you want to do to make sure that it it is high quality like a properly drying it properly curing it making sure that you're using um, good ingredients when you're growing it and when you run out if you do run out then you want to be able to notice the good shit and the bad shit when you're out there when you're going to buy it as well you know is there anything that's infected with mold 
or is there anything that has pesticides on it? You know, we want to want you guys to be able to recognize this kind of thing when you go and purchase cannabis from somewhere else, because we don't want you getting hurt and we don't want you getting ripped off. So we want to make sure that you know how to recognize the good shit. So, Absolutely. so where do we start, man? Where do we start here? Question what, is, what is the good shit first? You know, well, you know what the good shit is. You, 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 the good shit, well, you don't need to be told it's good shit. You know it's good shit. Well, good shit, first of all, yeah, it's going to be nice and sticky and crystally, and it's going to have an amazing bouquet to it when you open that jar up, very complex, and, and uh, it's going to ha have a nice, uh, the nugs will be solid, but not so hard that when you cry and, and, and squeeze them that they, they shatter, they should have a little bit of give to them, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Basics. Yeah. I say, what about you, yeah. Bubba Hawk? When you go to look for the good shit, what are you looking at when you look at these weeds, these buds? Um, yeah, pretty pretty much the same thing. Um, my my biggest thing I'm looking at is the color. Um, I'm looking for it to have a nice dusting of trichomes. I'm looking for that smell that I want. I really want to get that nice terpene profile coming off it. Um, I don't want to be don't want to be getting any hay smell or anything like that. Uh, and I want them to be trichomes and not mold. That's the other side of that, mm -hmm. making sure it's had a nice cure on it. Um, and then, yeah, not, not being too laughy, um, but not being rock hard either. I'd, I'd prefer a nice mid-sized nugget with a little, like if you squeeze it, it should just slowly, gently bring itself back out um, mm -hmm. to the same sort of shape. You're not, you don't want it to just either stay flat and you don't want it to just not even compress if you know what i mean you want somewhere yeah, mm -hmm. just in so the it, middle it's though. good to have good rock hard nugs but not that rock hard it needs to bounce a little when you squeeze it you know it's a little yeah, squeeze it has to have a touch of give mm -hmm. yep. that's it and you'd only get that from your own home grow i hope you all know that you know <laughs> it's like yeah because the grower yeah, yeah. who grows the shit keeps that shit for themselves yeah, yeah, that's one thing you learn real quick when you grow your own is that you never get the good stuff when no. you go and buy it from old mate down the road. You're you're getting the leftover dregs. You're not getting yep. these top ones. So, yep, the top stuff goes to special customers, and you're probably not that guy. I mean, for me, you know, that bounce is important. You know what what Bubba Hawk was saying there, where you squeeze mm -hmm. it and it bounces back a little bit. That that is important for me. I don't want it to be too rock solid. I mean, when a bud is like real rock solid, it's usually grown with the PGRs, which which is a, an important part of this, which you want to cover as well, because sometimes weed can look real good, like, you know, good dense nugs and finely manicured. It looks like some real good shit, but it's really not that good because of the chemicals it's been used, that's been used to grow it. So, but well, you know your shit about PGRs. You want to... Uh, talk about that yeah so pgrs refer to um plant growth regulators um, mm -hmm. so essentially they're things used to help control the growth of the plant so this can be anything to do with the bud itself um the plant's roots um the leaves all of that there, there are different ones and there's both synthetic and natural pgrs so not all pgrs are bad um, there, there are a lot that are used in quite a few different um, top shelf um, nutrient lines that are naturally, um, that, I mean, seaweed, that's essentially a PGR. Um, 
So there are there are a few different ones that you can find that that aren't, but the majority of things that we're talking about here are the bad ones. Um, so you're going to get a few more common ones. Um, and I'm sorry if I pronounce these wrong, but you've got um, paclobutrazole, uh, daminozide or alar, um, and chlor chlormaquat chloride. Um, so these are probably the worst as far as um, it goes for being potentially dangerous for, for humans. Um, <clears throat> and you're going to find this, um, basically the buds are going to look like shitty street, you know, the worst, imagine the worst ditch weed you can think of that's being cured in water and it's just been in a brick for weeks that's the sort of thing you're looking at. It's going to have no trichomes. It's going to smell mm. like hay. It's going to be either rock hard or just fluffy crap in the bag. Mm. Um, you're going to, yeah, you're essentially not going to have any um, any real high from it. You'll find that when you do smoke it, it's going to taste like crap. Probably burn the hell out of your lungs and give you a headache. Um, yeah, bye bye. Weed's probably the easiest way to explain that. Um, so here in Australia, we have a big issue uh, where obviously because it's it's illegal across the board, um, except for medicinal use, you you find a lot of the stuff on the market is coming from either um, Vietnamese gangs or um, from bikies. And majority of that is being grown with PGRs. And the reason that they do that is because it, it speeds up the growth process for one. Sure. It puts more weight on them for two. Um, and it's there's no you don't really have another option um you know the the majority of home growers here will grow for themselves and that's it and that's fair enough again it's illegal that's why they're doing it mm -hmm. um but because of that um because of where they're all growing their own the people that go out and buy unless you know somebody you are most likely going to end up getting something that has been grown with pgr um and my, one of my friends likes to call it Agent Orange, um, and it is probably just as bad. So Bill Rose says they sell it here as Orange Ruffy. Yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing you will find. A lot of the time, it will be covered in your orange hairs. Um, so if it looks, I mean, you should still have those those orange hairs on um, on a on a bud. However, I'm talking. It looks like they've shaked the bag and all of them have broken off and then they've essentially just rolled the nuggets in yeah. what's at the bottom of the bag. Like that's, they're, they're yeah, way too hairy. Um, if it looks like it's been trashed through some ginger's pubes, then that's not, that's what you're not looking at. That's, <laughs> that's the stuff you don't want, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, it's, and it is a big problem here, but the, the easiest way to tell are those, those if it's got excessive red hairs, it's hard and it has no smell. Um, so if you, if you're getting that sort of thing and if you're smoking it and it feels like, yeah, you're going to cop up a lung and then it will generally give you a real speedy high, um, with a massive headache to boot. So uh, yeah. you will know straight away. Um, yeah, if you ever just like, if you ever smoking some shit and you're like, this don't seem right, then just stop smoking it, man. And I know yeah. it's, it's easy for us guys to say because we're home growers and we have our own home supply, you know, so we don't worry about it so much. It's easy for us to just throw a couple of gram away. But it's if you're buying that shit, unfortunately, you're just going to have to go and buy some from somewhere else. You don't smoke shit which you're not comfortable with. If you can, take it back, but that doesn't really work on the legacy market, does it? 
No, well, yeah. I mean, this is this is the thing. If you're growing on the legacy, unfortunately, yeah, you, you, this is the sort of thing you have to kind of look for um, before you buy it. Um, and and the, those are, I mean, visual representations of it before you can smoke it are going to be those th- the, those three biggest ones. Um, that with the the excessive red hair, the the no smell coming off it, other than more of a hayish smell or a grass smell. Um, that if, if you really need to be looking at that and just refusing it straight off the bat, the more people that refuse that um, and the more people, because this is, this is why they sell it because people will buy it um, mm-hmm. because they, go, they can't get anything else. That's all they can get a hold of. So if you, I mean, I know it's hard, uh, especially if you can't get anything else, it can be really hard to say no to it. I'm telling you it is in your best interest to say no to it. Just refuse it because the more people refuse it, and the less they sell of it, they may go back the other way. Um, we can hope. Yeah, it's just getting that information out to enough people, isn't it? That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then it's hard. It, um, I mean, it, weed you buy out on the legacy market is going to be dodgy sometimes, but that is also the case for the the legalized market. For if you go into the coffee shop or dispensary, whatever it is, wherever you get your cannabis from they can still have problems too. So you need to be able to notice the same things with legacy market weed. But when, when it comes to PGR weed, it, it looks as if it's been um, put in a vacuum bag, and you, you know, yeah. just sucked. Everything's just been compressed into itself. All the air has been sucked out of it. It just looks like a, like a, a moon rock in some ways, but without being coated in keef, it's just compressed. I need, I need to stress, we are talking about synthetic PGRs. So it's, mm-hmm. it, there are natural PGRs out there that are fairly safe. There are other natural ones that aren't. So do your research if you're going to go down that route. Um, you generally don't have to. If you're growing for yourself, as I said, the majority of, um, of, of the top lines of nutrient are going to have some form, uh, whether that be your, your seaweeds and things like that, um, alfalfas, all that sort of thing, as uh, Big Blazer mentioned. You, yeah. you, there are some that are fine, but again, arsenic and things like that are also <laughs> other ones that, that can then turn up in things. So uh, I, I would just, I'd just say try and steer clear of synthetic stuff. If you're going to be growing yourself, try to stay away from things like, um, you know, the, there's certain things that, that claim big bud and, um, and swell and all this sort of thing. Please do your research on those. Have a real good look into what, what those ingredient lists are and do a little bit of research on what's in it um, because some of those can and do sneak things in uh, the, the, like these, um, the chloride and things like that, which will swell bloods and, um, and add things for flowering, encourage to get it shorter and more uniform and things like that. So Mm -hmm. yes. Just uh, as I said, if you try it, because that's the only way you can be 100% sure and it just doesn't seem right, then don't buy it. Don't smoke it. Don't take it. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it, it can cause a whole lot of issues, um, and it can, it can then just be just as bad as smoking cigarettes. So mm. um, it'll, it'll impact fertility, can cause things with liver damage, uh, lung damage, the, the whole thing. So yeah. the, the synthetic ones you really want to stick clear of as much as you can. What, right. Um, what else are we saying here? I mean, if you go to the legacy market, uh, you might get that shit, but you might also get moldy weed, 
Oh. If you want to know what moldy weed looks like and shit, then you can also go back to our bud rot episode because we covered that a few weeks ago and you'll know everything you need to know about the whole bud rot thing there. But you need to be able to spot that shit when you're buying it as well because unfortunately there has been weed that has gone out to people. It's happened here in the UK from the new market, the the legal market paid money for it from a dispenser and a, a pharmacy and it's gone mm-hmm. out to patients and it's been moldy and it's made some of them unwell. So you need to be able to notice that shit as well. And the flavor is going to be the, the, like the big thing, the, the smell and the flavor. You don't really want to breathe it in if you're going to help it, but you might miss it until you're actually smoking. You're like, mm-hmm. this tastes a bit like shoes. Exactly. Yeah. Like old, old tennis <laughs> shoes yeah. or, or a pair of work boots is a good way yeah. to look, think, think of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just kind of a funkiness in the background. Not yeah. very pleasant. Yeah, you'll know. Yeah, you yeah. can. It's first one of those hit, ones that you can pick. Yeah. <laughs> first hit, enough, yeah. done. It's, it's not earthy. It's different. It's moldy. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's earthy, all right. But yeah, ooh, not it's, in a good way. It's yeah. It's two week old gym shoes left in a bag. Exactly. Earthy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you need to if you inhale that molds, but then mold spores and they go into your lungs and they germinate. There's going to be problems, man. Mold is very dangerous, and this is what we said in the in the uh, bud rot episode. If you have any bud rot or mold, then it just needs to be thrown away. You can't use it for anything. Yeah. So, and but some people they don't follow the fucking rules, man, and they'll sell that shit. And well, a lot of that stuff that that used to be, and some of it still is transported in bricks and whatnot like that. It's mm-hmm. highly susceptible to that mold because you're compressing and keeping all that moisture trapped inside of that mm-hmm. brick. And so, yeah, when you start seeing that in bags, you need to be really skeptical on yeah. that stuff. You'll notice there'll be stuff or when, you, when you're moving the bud, you know, if you go crumble it, then you'll notice little bits of like dustiness come up into the air and float around the, these mold spores and shit. Try the and bud, when that. you crumble it, it just, it, it, it literally crumbles if it's, mm. if it's bud rot. Yeah. The, yeah. the weed just, it, you don't have to break it up. It, it kind of falls apart. Yeah. Um, strange way i mean when you see it the first time you'll know it the inside of the bud has an interesting off pinkish kind of brown color from the mold yeah Uh, it's not cool no when you see it the first time you'll know it but the smell is usually what gives it away most to me the smell of it Mm -hmm. that musky Mm -hmm. it's not chewy yeah a little would, bit off. Yeah. Once you know, you know. That's the thing. You have to experience it to be able to know. Like that's that's what they were talking about on that podcast. <laughs> if it smells, if it smells like Nana's cupboard that hasn't been opened in her spare room for thirty years, mm-hmm. it's generally not going to be great on your lungs. Been so. watching random YouTube channels this week where people are opening like fifty-five year old can of beans. Oh, what does this fifty-five year old can of chicken soup look like after after nearly? over half a century is pretty cool yeah. channel but no, not good not good food no it was <laughs> random random there you know that's a, a show they used to have on in the states they used to open up and try and eat that shit uh, oh god wow <laughs> it's like oh. you think it's safe to try it i don't know it looks good to me so only one way to find out <laughs> but the show didn't last very long oh I bet. yeah all the, anyway, all the hosts probably we're back died. To now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's on fear factor, isn't it? Really? <laughs> Joe Rogan there back in the day. You've got to eat three beans. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> shit. Three anyway. beans and a deer testicle. Oh, jeez. Oh, yes, look out for that moldy shit as well, man. The PGR, look out for that. And uh, anything, 
Yeah, even if it just well, don't look right. It, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're buying your weed on the legacy market, you need to ch- make check your moisture levels. Good, high-quality cannabis is like we've been talking about. It's not going to be brick dry, and it's definitely not going to be wet. There's mm. a, find that sweet spot between it. The bud should yeah. have like that little give, and you know, just. And that, it really that, doesn't matter where you're buying it from as well, because I know you said the legacy market there, monkey, but dispensaries even, are, yeah. are notorious yeah. for selling overly dried weed. Mm-mm. Yeah, happens with all the time here, especially the with, medical medicinal stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And also, so you the, can get yourself um, like one of those a clip-on camera that can go on your phone, or a clip-on microscope, and it goes on the camera of your phone. Really cheap. You can get them from Amazon, and you'd be able to use that to check on the actual bud itself as well. You'd be able to see the mold strands in the buds. Yeah. So, and if you can do that, then you know it saves you a, a lot of uh, risk when you're not mm-hmm. having to smell it because you don't know the, the mold spores by your fucking nose. Shit. And it does look a lot different too. When you're looking at it under the under the microscope, you can tell the difference between yeah. a trichome and mold, um, and quite quickly. Some when it's just like, say things like bud rot when they're just sort of coming on, they can they can look a little like the start of some trichomes, but you will tell by pulling that apart once you see the it's like a fluff, almost like a fairy floss sort of fluffy look. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what that's a sort of yeah, yeah. That's what you're sort of looking for. Um, if you're seeing some of that, that's definitely mold, and that's when you should um, you should throw that shit out. Yep. Don't be smoking well, it, or, or don't buy it if they're or don't buy it. Yep, that's the other Either thing. Way, yeah. This is why it's always best to grow your own shit because when mm-hmm. you grow your own shit, you're in control of all of this stuff, and you're less likely to have a problem with it. And that's where you're going to get the good weed. I mean, we've just told you all these different ways where cannabis can look bad and it can look dodgy and it causes you health problems if you're going to use it or just might not be enjoyable at all. Mm. The best way to avoid all of those problems is grow your own at home. No one's going to care for the weed as much as you will. And it's going to be a completely different quality when you get it home. Well, when you get it home, it's at home, it's homegrown. But when you get it tried and cured, it's in the jars. It's just going to be a different level. Mm. So to get the real good shit, there's certain things that you have to do. And that's across the whole lot of the the growing process, really. And that is you have to chop the plant down at the right time. That's that's the first part. And you can go back to listen to our harvesting episode, and that will tell you how to check for that. But making sure that the plant should chop down and ready to harvest at the right time is a big part of the battle. Obviously, you need good genetics first, and we're strong believers believers of that. Make sure the plant's good genetics, but then harvest it at the right time when it's supposed to be chopped down. If it's too early, it's not going to produce the oils it could have. And if it's too late, then the oils and the, the cannabinoids might already be degrading before, mm. uh, yeah, uh, because you haven't chopped it down when you should have. So knowing the right time to went to chop shit down is the first step in getting the very good shit. Yeah, uh, knowing when knowing when to know, knowing when to visually see it's in a um, in the harvest window, and it, and you do have like because everybody's tastes different. Um, as you said, you know, majoritively for me, I'm looking at ten to fifteen percent amber uh, before I chop. I know some people look for more. It just comes down to your personal preference, and if you're growing it at home yourself you've got you know you, you've got the best opportunity to work out what you like and what you don't mm-hmm. uh, by trying a few different you know leave it a touch longer no pull it don't try not to pull it when they're all they're all uh, clear 
because you that's where you're going to get that real racy heady high and and it's not really going to give you the effect you're after you you still want to be watching for the um the clouded trichomes with a mm-hmm. sort of smattering of that um of those uh, sort of more yeah. more developed if you you know you you i i as i said i'm looking for 10 to 15 percent amber um, I, I, I find that's perfect for me across the board. I will sometimes <laughs> let indicas go a bit further, mm-hmm. but uh, that's just my personal preference. Hillbilly Herb said there, I had four friends proudly give me moldy buds over the last year. Oh. Folk need to learn more about drying and curing, it seems. It does definitely seem that way. Or maybe they just got that shit and just tried to pass it off, man. I wouldn't say that you have four friends there. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Deirdre's neck as well. He said, um, "Who's getting all this moldy PGR weed on road? <laughs> That's peach. Touch your shit, bro. Touch your shit." But we'll see. The prob- the problem we have with our medicinal stuff coming through is that again, a lot of the medicinal stuff, and it is getting better. Uh, we are seeing more more uh, Australian grown stuff coming onto the market, but a lot of it comes from overseas. So it's you know, it's it's grown, it's quick cured, it's trimmed, it's thrown into into containers with a bevita pack, and then sealed up and left on a shelf. And it could take months to get here. Uh, and and by the time it gets to you, it is most definitely not fresh. And if there is even a hint of mold in that, by the time it gets here, that mold is generally run through that that container. So uh, we're we're finding a lot of either both ways. It's either extremely dry, and the bevita pack's done nothing. Or the other way, um, you're looking at it being yeah completely wet and mouldy, and so it's it's out of probably I'd say maybe fifty odd tubs over since I started medical um, and and what I bought to just try and see what it was about. I've I've probably had maybe ten that would have been uh, sendbacks because of either being too dry or or having mould in them. So mm. uh, and as a you know as a new medicinal user that's something you, you guys need to have a look at. You know, you need, you need to really sort of try and do a bit of research on what it looks like, what it smells like. And obviously that's what we're doing here is trying to give you guys a bit of information on that. Um, but if you, yeah, if you really don't want to be, especially as a medicinal user, the last thing you want to be doing is smoking moldy weed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, keep an eye yeah, out for that got, sort no of thing. Problems, man. You don't want that shit too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep them honest. We, you know, we, I think that's the other side of it. We've got to keep the pharmaceutical companies that are producing it honest um, because they, a lot of the time will just send it because they can. Um, and they just hope that the person on the other end receiving it doesn't see it or doesn't care or just doesn't understand what, what the difference is. So. Hmm. Hey, man. I mean, after you've made sure that the plant is harvested at the correct time, then you need to dry the cannabis properly as well, having the right drying conditions. And of course, right. we've covered that in a previous episode too, how to do the whole drying and curing process. Slow and low. That's right. Just don't rush it. You don't want it done. And it's difficult to do over these summer months when it's very hot in the grow room mm-hmm. usually. But you need to try and get that drying going for at least a week. Between seven and mm-hmm. 10 days seems to be around the best. So, you know, don't rush it. Don't rush that drying period and try and keep the drying cool. Between 15 and 18 degrees Celsius is always uh, recommended, usually. Difficult, very difficult sometimes in the summertime, though. Yeah, especially you need Mm. air conditioners and shit for that. Yeah. But then that will change Um, the humidity and 
Well, that kind of yeah. shit. I'll say that my winter weed tastes better because it dries slower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that's that's the same here. Win- stuff grown in winter does tend to taste better. Uh, but there are there are ways you can sort of extend that dry, um, you know, leaving a little mm-hmm. bit more biomass on there mm-hmm. as you're drying. Um, but of course, that's it can bring up other issues with with mold and things. So you really need to ensure you've got the right airflow going on. Try and keep it as as they've mentioned, you know, in those lower lower temps, uh, lower humidity. Well, at least not too low, obviously. But you know, you don't want seventy five percent humidity in the in your dry room because that's going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. And then curing, of course, you know, when it's properly dried, you need to take it down at the right time. It can't be too dry. It can't be too wet need that exact time where the buds are snapping off the branches mm-hmm. and they goes into jars, man. And that's important to get that time right as well. And this was also covered in the drying and curing episode. So you can check that, that shit out too. Because it, it's always good to study the, those parts in particular when you're looking at trying to get the best weed possible. It's harvesting at the right time, drying for the amount of correct amount of time, and then curing properly. And so, stored properly after it's cured. Mm-hmm. You know, cool, dark, airtight, all that good stuff. That's where you get your good shit from. Is mm-hmm. putting, the, putting the real work in on them stages. That's the most yeah. important thing. So that, that's where you get the good weed from. But only you will make that. Yeah. The yeah. best weed is usually <laughs> grown simply. Is the best way to put it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need a thousand different supplements in your on your grow to get the best weed. Can we we'll grow really good, good cannabis with just a few basic uh, nutrients or just, you know, the right soil and water. You don't need to go and spend tons and tons of money on miracles because you don't need them. Most of the time they don't work. No, they, they work. They empty your bank account real well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, that's the thing, I suppose. There's plenty of, plenty of sort of bro science stuff out there um, that, you know, that says, oh, should add this to it or add that to it and it'll do this, it'll do that. And nine times out of 10, it's just that bro science. It's, it's not going to do it. I mean, if you, if it, if, you know, you want to put your money into something like that and you think it helps and you think it changes the changes the game for you, that's fine. Um, and more than welcome to, but you know, bit of research on it, maybe grow one with, with one, one run with it, one run without it. Um, and see how you go because a lot of the time you you know you're adding something like that to it and you may have just grown this run better than the last run and then you get that that thought in your head that oh maybe that did work and then all of a sudden you're adding extra things you don't need to mm-hmm. um, simply because you just got better at what you were doing so yep. confirmation bias and shit well i mean in, in anybody who is wanting to improve your home grow i can give you a guarantee one way to do it and that is to get over to percy's Join us over there. Come come visit and talk with us. And the members mm-hmm. over there will help you up your game. Yeah. I mean, it, it helped me. It, everybody that, that goes over to Percy's usually gets something out of it. We mm-hmm. also have the, um, there's always that discussion that takes place between growers as well as whether organics is better than salts and what's going to produce the biggest flavor. And it's been under the, under debate for a long time man so what you really need to do is you need to focus on picking what grow method is the best for you whether that be organics or salt based or you know in full hydronic mediums you know you figure out what works best for you and then hone in those skills and get good at growing with that medium and you'll have high quality high quality 
cannabis. The rest is just harvesting at the right time, drying and curing uh, uh, the, yeah. in the right ways. But, you know, it doesn't really matter on the medium so much. You just find out what works best for you. And if when you get that down and the plants grow happily, they'll produce good cannabis. It doesn't really mm. matter so much what medium they were grown in. And I, I can say now I've had... Uh, I've had both some grown outdoor in, in organic soils that are absolutely amazing. And I've had some that have grown in outdoor soils organically that are absolute trash. So it's, it can go both ways. And it's same said for things grown in cocoa. Um, personally, I prefer cocoa and salts uh, if I'm running indoors because one, it's generally quicker Two, I'm going to pull a bigger yield. Um, and then, you know, three, that comes down to saving money on power and uh, and things like that. But growing indoor organically, you can still you can still pull yields, you can still pull all of this, and you can still get some really nice flavors. So it's what works for you is, as Mackie said, is probably the best. Um, if you don't have a whole heap of time uh, and you really just want something you can pop in there, let it do its thing. Probably shoot for a, an organic model. Um, if you've got a lot more time and you can spend a bit more time in there and you can spend at least twice a day in your grow room, then yeah, look for things like, you know, or go, go towards things like hydros and cocos and things like that. Um, because you, you may find you like that better because you're spending more time with your plant, um, yep. and vice hands versa. On. Definitely hands-on media mm -hmm. hydros. Yeah. 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 I definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more hands-on. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that, that can be rewarding. Some, yeah. Yeah. Some new growers want to do that. They want to be in there every day, two or three times a day. So yeah, man, in those funny. cases, cocoa is a good thing. It's yeah, fun, for sure. But yeah, yeah. But that's it. You just figure out what medium works best for you. Now, have you got, have you got the time to run a solo, um, a hydroponic medium grow that cause it takes time, man. Or if you want to use soil because you don't have the time to be there every day then that also works, you know, but as soon as you can hone in those skills and get one of the mediums well-learned, well-practiced, well you know, some experience in it, then you're going to grow good, good weed. You just have mm -hmm. to make sure that you got the good genetics to grow in the first place by getting the right seeds in the right places. And then you have to harvest it at the mm -hmm. right time. You know, if it's harvested too early, it won't be as good as it could have been. And then it needs to be dried for the right amount of time because if it's dried too quickly, it's just going to be harsh on the throat and, won't taste as good as it could have, then it needs to be cured properly to make sure you get the proper flavors expressing itself out of it. But all of that does take practice. And of course, you have to be able to grow your own to be able to do these things as well. But uh, to look for the good shit, you know, if you're going to buy it and you want to go, uh, you want to know if the stuff you're buying is good, you're going to have to get one of those trichoscopes, man, something you can get a good close up of the trichomes on the buds because that will help you for a start <laughs> you know in the legacy market it might not be wise to do that you might just no i don't <laughs> pulling up in your mate's car and put a microscope in there and he's just wanting the money and then you get yeah, out like, what I'm the like, fuck nah. is this guy doing <laughs> hey, <man. laughs> but you know this is how you can take a close look at the trichomes and know if the cannabis was cut down maturely you know when it was mature at the right time if it's going to be nice weed or if it was just cut too soon you know, that's up to you. You should definitely do that kind of thing if you're going to the dispensary. You want to make sure you're buying the good shit from, you know, the good places. Yeah, and I suppose if you're walking into a dispensary and you're whipping out a loop, people are kind of going to 
probably treat you slightly different to just the average yeah. Joe that walks in. But, but fuck them. Sometimes you'll, sometimes you'll be treated as, oh, that's one of those assholes that doesn't know what he's doing. Sometimes you'll be treated like that. And sometimes you'll be treated like, oh, I better be serious with you now. But mostly they, the mostly they treat you like, oh, my God, not another microscope. <laughs> Okay, I'd rather be I'd rather be treated like not another microscope and actually get um, decent cannabis than to yeah. to not you know just out of the sake yeah. of oh I don't want to upset the dispensary people. The large majority of dispensaries I've been in, actually, if you ask, they have a microscope. They'll they'll lend you or or put put the butt under it or something like that. You know, if you right, got okay. a microscope, you're just not serious, man. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're not out there for everybody because trying yeah. to explain people what you're actually looking at, that would take forever if you mm -hmm. don't know what you're doing. But if you do ask, I find that they usually have something that could help you. Yeah. That's I mean, funny. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just a bit shit in the legacy market. You can't really go. Give me, give me a second there, Trevor. I just look at my trichoscope <laughs> out and have a look how good this bud is. <laughs> You know, and then it's yeah, not good. You'd be like, nah, mate, take it back. Don't want it. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Have, have you got anything better? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, better. What well, you mean, like crack? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, bad, don't walk into a legal dispensary and be a dick. You know, walk in there and try yeah. to tell, tell you your bud tender what's wrong with their weed. Either mm -hmm. buy it or don't, but. You will be treated like like a, a hostile customer if you go in there and try to be mean, one of those microscope guys. Grow your own, <laughs> motherfuckers. That's the best way to do it. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, nobody will even try to argue the point. It's like, if you want the good shit, you have to do it yourself, man. The best, best stuff is homegrown. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. most bud tenders I've talked to have even admitted that. Because yeah. homegrown is grown with a different level of care and love. I mean, it really is. Yeah. If you've been into a commercial grow, they have to do a whole lot to a whole lot of plants. And they're busy, mm -hmm. busy, busy. So they don't get the time to, to pamper and do the things we do. Yeah, you, so. care a lot, you care about it a lot more when you're investing your own time into it. When you've mm -hmm. just got to go and buy it, there's this kind of, uh, yeah, it is what it is sort of essence yeah. to it. But yeah, it's, and you're, yeah. I've always said that we growing your own will change the game because yeah, it's, it, it is so much better. There's something so nice about growing your own and doing it yourself. And then right at the end, that satisfaction, um, when you chop it down, you dry it, you cure it, and it's just absolute fire. It's, yeah. it's a whole different level. Now, I've been to different grows, and I'll have to say that I've seen different levels of care to, on the plants. I've been to I've been to some grows to where the head grower treats it like it's his own grow. I mean that 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 level of care. Then I've I've also, you know, I've, I've watched growers walk right past plants that are yellowing and obviously have a problem, but nobody told me to take care of that, so I'm not worried about it kind of thing. So it, you know, different different strokes, different yeah. things. Yeah. But there are some good growers out there, commercial growers, but the best stuff is still going to be the stuff you grow because it's going to be done the way you want it and it's going to be your medicine. Yeah. And then you can, you know, you're, there's a lot of times you won't find the strain you're hunting in a, in a dispensary. I'm sure there are plenty of dispensaries that have multiple strains running and things like that. And you, and you probably could, but to know that you're getting the actual strain that you want and that works for your condition or for what you're after and what you're hunting, the only real way to do that is to do it at home 
and choose it yourself and grow it yourself. And you'll have That's consistency easy. too. You'll have the most affordable product at the best quality if you do it yourself, if you, if you do decide to go that route. And of course, we are high on homegrown. So we're we going to tell you to do, grow your own. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's what we're here to do. We did have a question up there too, I think. Uh, yeah, I saw it earlier. Is that Mr. Crichton? Here we go. It was Mr. Crichton. Yeah. Is there a way to force autofems to produce seeds? Only yes. way I would know how to do that would be to go ahead and spray spray one branch down and get it to produce pollen. Um, but it's yeah. tricky with autos because you really want that pollen early. So, mm. I mean, I've done it by reversing uh, and I was lucky. Uh, I think I got, when I did it on a small plant, I got like a hundred and something seeds off of it because, well, you're forcing the plant to produce pollen. And by the time that pollen was viable, the flowers were three quarters of the way formed. Yeah. So you see, you see the, the problem there, but I, I got enough to, I can continue a line that way, put it that way, but it's not, yeah. it wouldn't be a viable way to produce a lot of seed that way. You'd have to Almost like yeah. start one plant, reverse it, and then two weeks later, three weeks later, start the second plant, and then you'd have everything to meet up correctly. Mm -hmm. That's that's how I do it. Um, if I'm going to do an, an auto, and I want to try and keep those genetics, and that's what I will be doing later in the year. Uh, I usually try and keep a few seeds at the end of, of the pack just so I can do that. Um, and I'll have one that I grow, and then I'll reverse that with a colloidal silver spray and then from there, a couple of weeks after that, roughly, usually I shoot for about three weeks. I'll then start another one. And then that way, by the time that pollen's matured and ready to go, it's just starting to come on with the uh, bud sites and, and starting to turn itself into flower. And then I can choose when I want to dust them uh, rather than being forced to do it right at the end. And then, you know, maybe they will be enough. Maybe it won't be because you really want to give it that time. Mm -hmm. I know what you're saying. Chilbert's a good person to talk to about doing seeds, though. Mm -hmm. yeah. He knows his shit, man. We have a question from Woody as well. Uh, we, we'll move on to the listener question bit here. Uh, Woody, my question is, I want my buds to look their best, but some of the white hairs are weird. Mm. Is there a certain brush or little comb that you guys can suggest I use? <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Um, you have to get it, it, it. These are made in Bolivia. They're very special. <laughs> Mer Mer Merkin combs. Uh, what do yeah. you all, the panel, uh, use to grow your buds, to groom your buds? Sorry, I'm having company come over and I want the girls to look their best. Thanks for your help. <laughs> I use Bol Bolivian hedgehog uh, bristle brushes. Yes. Uh, you need, need to get yourself a verticoli. Oh, okay. Well, Just leave, say leave the pistols alone and, you know, I'm sure. Your guests are going to love it, regardless of whether it's cold or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the ver the verticolis from um, Blades of Glory, the movie. Mm. You've seen that. That's his hairbrush. He's like, you can touch the you can touch the hair and mane, but don't touch the verticoli. <laughs> Ten thousand dollar brush or something. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I mean, there is a brush you can get, but it's it's um, well, like a novelty. That you'd let your buds dry, and you go for the dry trim, so you're not tripping them, trimming them when they're wet. You wait until they were dry, and then you can break off the leaves from there. And people get this brush, and kind of brush on the buds themselves, and it breaks off all the finer leaf. 
because it's dry, but it's just shit. It's going to break up the trichome heads too, though. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's like they're like a like a like a rubber basting brush. With yeah, that's just the one. Harder yeah. bristle sort of thing. Yeah, I've seen them. They're and... cool. But they're like fucking thirty dollars as well. Because of yeah. oh look, I dry trim yeah. sometimes. I'll get one of those. How much is that? And I'll be like, how fucking much? No, I'm not being extorted. That's it's the same principle down. as the as the trim bag, though. You know, that's basically mm. just a like a big mesh bag. You put everything in there and shake it, and all, all your your sugar leaf fall off, and you got your buds in the bag. But again, you're you're banging your buds up against each other. So if you, if yeah. you want the best, it's not going to be that hand trim. No way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was my biggest thing with it. When I saw it, I was like, that's going to knock all those trichomes off and all up into that fucking bag of trim you got there. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't make use of that trim, you've just wasted it. Yeah. So, yep. Some things are just novelty, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you process a lot of it, I understand, or maybe you have a disability or something and that, that would age you, but if I can afford the time, I would prefer to sit down there by hand and groom it because I yeah. spent four months, you know, three months growing this. Just takes so yeah. long. I, I, I always start off when I come to do the trim. I always start off like this. Going to be beautiful. Look, and the first <laughs> you <laughs> no get job. the big yes. cola, you chop it down, you trim it. Like, look how good that looks. Oh, my that God. last branch. That. Yeah, we get to that last. <laughs> Fucking the last one. You mean the, the second <laughs> one, bro? It's just like, I can't be asked doing that again. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> just, it start. It starts off with perfect trimming, and then the last one looks like you've hit it with a chainsaw. Meticulous. <laughs> you've got your loop yeah. on. You got it by your eyes. And you get <laughs> oh, look at that! Beautiful, beautiful. Oh God, it don't stay that way for long. Now I used to uh, I used to follow the, the advice that people would say is you know start with your smaller buds first, the bottom of the colas, things like that. Because by the time you you know everybody likes to trim the big buds, things like that. Shoot, yeah, I got to that point where I was doing it that way, and now I'm tired and I got these big beautiful colas, the tops, mm-hmm. a very beautiful best part, and I don't feel like doing it. So yeah. nope, I Just trim take the tops first. One thing. Plant down at a time. Take I think yeah, that's what I do. But I trim <laughs> all my tops first and put those aside because that's the best trim, the first trim. Mission. You know what I mean? Oh. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, now the rest of it, yeah. If, I, if it's a little sloppy, I don't care as much. Yeah, when it comes to brushing them, then Woody, don't do it, bro. Just don't do it. <laughs> Only if you shampoo them first. Yeah, sh- no, don't, don't really shampoo. It's a joke, Woody. Just in case you didn't get that was a joke. For anybody don't. else who's listening, don't shampoo your, your tricoats. <laughs> you know, we talk about washing Please. buds sometimes, but not, not with shampoo. Don't do that. No, 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 no. Don't. A little bit in conditioner, head and shoulders, you know. Which used Hopefully they know we're joking. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah, uh, we also have a, a very not. interesting question here from Arnie's Carpa as well. Arnie's Carpa, his name is. Uh, what is the best way to talk to children about cannabis when they are taught drugs are bad at school? Good question, man. I mean, this is going to be obviously down to each individual parent and what they think is best. I do not really talk to my kids about cannabis. I don't, you know, they not really aware that I consume cannabis. Even when I was a hardcore smoker, they would never see me smoke, would never smoke in front of them or anything like that. But they know what my stance is when it comes to like a cannabis legality. Because I would speak about that sometimes in front of them. It's not like I hide the conversation from them, but I don't involve them in it unless I feel it's absolutely necessary. Mm. It's a difficult one. And of course, the age of the child matters as well. If your child is in secondary school, they'll be experiencing this kind of thing at school in the lessons that they have and they will be trying to force the government propaganda down their necks but they'll do that thing everything the child's age is going to be super important to how you have to talk to them right there Mm -hmm. though Mm -hmm. um you know definitely want to make sure they explain to the child i don't care what your stance on cannabis is that under no circumstances is it acceptable for children to use it yeah 
Mm-hmm. They just have to understand that it's, it's for a grown-ups period, whether it's you, you like it or not. It's not something kids should ever use. Well, so, some kids use it for medicine, you know, for the, uh... well, only if only that's a better way to put it then only if recommended by a doctor, mm-hmm. children have to be recommended by a doctor and adults need to rec- be recommended by themselves or a doctor. And there's a real good mm-hmm. book out there by one of the guests, which we had on the show called Alison Littleflair. Alison Littlefair is the name, mm-hmm. she, and she wrote the book Walter the Wizard and the Magic Seed, and it's a book which is directed towards children, where they can learn about cannabis from that book, and it's it's more like in the medical aspect of things. It's a real good perspective, a nice way to put it across to the kids. Mm. I suppose yeah, education is really really the yeah. key there, um, giving them giving them the. Um, somebody said something important there is like honesty is the best policy and that's the that's the thing don't lie to your kids man if they come to you for a question you give them the honest answer that's just the way it is you know they rely on you as their parents for that for honesty you know and sometimes the questions might be a little bit too harsh but they have to know the truth man it's don't expect anybody else to do it you're the one who's going to educate your kids properly so when they ask you a question when they come to you for a question don't ever lie to them be honest and that's the best way they're going to figure anything out because they know t- that they can always trust you rather yeah. than all of the other bullshit that they will find out there from anybody else with a different opinion. Uh, even the news nowadays, you know, newspapers, mm-hmm. the news they see on TV, the, you mm-hmm. know, a random person down the street. It, it just, they always know they can come to you and get an honest answer. And it might not always be correct, but it's honest. Yeah. Yeah. And be I sure mean, to kids ask your kids ask your kids what they feel about it too, you know, because, yeah. you know, if they're asking you questions, they probably already have some things in their mind. Yeah, about you know, it. So let them figure ask out them what they then. feel about it. Yeah. yeah. Have a good Why do you think that way? Yeah. Exactly. You realize that that's because of this. <laughs> they may be programmed in school to have completely different views on this thing than you. And unless you ask what they think about it, you'll never know. Mm-hmm. Kids being kids are naturally going to, to want to, experiment and you know they're curious creatures by design and i think giving them all the information good or bad is probably your best bet um as far as going through that giving them giving them the tools to actually make an informed decision rather than just saying it's good or it's bad or whatever um you know having having the that chat with them and going well look you know it can be good, but it also can be bad. And this is why, and here's some information for you to have a bit of a read through and, and things like that. I, I mean, I don't have kids, so take, take my advice with a grain of salt, but I just think that would be the, the best way to sort of go through it is, is giving them advice, but also backing that advice up with some, um, with some actual hard evidence as to why you're saying what you're saying. Yeah. In my no. opinion when my kids finally decided to have the conversation, they were in middle school kind of thing. And uh, surprisingly, you know, when I asked them what they thought about it, they, they thought that they and their friends all thought that it was stupid for it to be legal anyway. Yeah. Hmm. So it's just like, yeah, they had an opinion. Yeah. It doesn't really take, take much for you to with that conclusion, really. (laughs) You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's absolutely ridiculous that we look at the government to come up with the good ideas and, you know, make laws for actually do something good. Yeah. And that's not what we get, is it? And cannabis being illegal the way it is, it's a great step for your kids to learn. Never, ever trust the government. They do not have your best interests at heart. 
You know, yeah. They will lie to you about whatever they need to lie yeah. about to make you do whatever they need you to do. So don't yeah. trust them. Don't trust the no. government. Kids want to talk about cannabis. Cannabis talk openly and calmly. Mm. That's the best advice I could give you. Yeah, man. Yeah, and, and that's all it is. Is advice. We don't know what, what's going on. We're just winging it like the rest of us. You know, we're, <laughs> everybody's just doing the best we can. The making children is like fine wine. You, you're gonna know twenty years down the line, you might figure out. Yeah, I did a pretty decent job with that one, but it's gonna take a long time. Just do what you can on the way. Just do the best you can. That's all you can do. Yeah, as you said, just be honest with them. You know, at the end of the day, honesty is key. Um, because the the moment you're not they'll go out and find somebody who gives them the truth. And then, you know, then they come back and they won't ask you questions or they won't tell you things because yeah, they think, yeah. well, you're just going to tell yeah, me bullshit anyway. Shit anyway. You know? right. yeah. 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 Now my kids, uh, they know what I use it for, why I, it, you know, where I get it from, all that good stuff like that. They have no problems at all with it. It's, but you know, like you said, talk openly and honestly, that right there, has completely taken the stress off of the fact that I, I do use this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To them, it's, it's no longer information. Now, if I hide that and I wasn't open with them, because it is my family, that could, could cause big problems. For me, it worked better to be open. Yeah, so great question there from Arnie. I hope that helps, mate. But, you know, if you need any more advice like that at all, you're not on your own, you can head over to Percy Square Room. You're already a member over there, I think. Yes, you are. So, uh, you know, ask ask for help at any time you need it man even questions like this or even just genuine support with anything even if it's not cannabis related you know and the community is there for you man so don't be mm-hmm. shy ask any questions if you need to ask any help ask for any help if you need it we're all there for you man so if this doesn't answer your question fully feel free to expand on more over at Percy's we'll see you there now there's yes. one more kind of one more from Jellert I don't know what the fuck's going on with this question? It's all pasted, all dodgy. <laughs> Hi, guys. I have a few questions. Using tap water in the grow room. I started out with just one question, but that's quickly led to others, as I mentioned before I introduced this. Uh, I'll try and boil them down, though. So let's have a look here. Once a jug of water has been pH'd, is that the set to be used when you're ready for it? See, I'm so terrible at just reading off the screen. No, basically, if you draw a if you have water ready to go and pH and you, and you leave it overnight and come back to it, is that water still ready to go? No, you, you should pH. Right. Like the last thing you do is pH the water and then yeah. use it to, to give it to your plants. Yeah, even after you pH the water, a small amount of reaction is still going to be taking place between the, the reagents and your water for a while. Um, yeah. but also you can have contact with air. So carbon dioxide may be absorbed into the water or something might outgas from the water. So yes, you definitely need to recheck that pH before you use it again. And where is the best place to store the water in a dark place, like a cupboard or in a grub room as I am now? I store mine in five gallon buckets that are sealed in the grow room. Yeah. Right. What are you saying? But, about? I was just going to say in saying that, um, where you've just, keep an eye on the temperature of the water as well, because that does matter. Um, your mm-hmm. pH will change with the different temperatures, which is the other side of, you know, it can raise, it can drop it. Um, and then once you start adding nutrients, obviously it's going to change again. So mm-hmm. usually I'll have my bucket in the grow room, but I'm always double checking that temp before I'm putting it into the plants is one. I don't want it too cold Two, I don't want it too hot. 
Um, I don't, I don't want to be shocking the roots either way. Um, so you, the, the whole point in putting it in the, in the grow room is to kind of acclimatize it to that room and to the temperature in that room anyway. Um, mm -hmm. And it's always going to be a few degrees cooler than what the air temp is, but um, yeah, just making sure that you're double checking that pH and I leave my, I'll put my uh, pH pen in the bucket and just hang it off the side of the bucket, leave it on for a couple of minutes, go and do something else and then come back and check it just to make sure that it's actually held that pH level. Um, because, you know, if you just, if you just dump it in and mix it around a few times and it gets to a point where it says, let's say 5.2 um, and you go, ah, oh, okay. You know, it's sat at 5.2 for 10, 15 seconds and then rip it out it could still be going down or it could still be going up. And if you start trying to adjust it at that point, you're not going to get um, an accurate reading. So yeah. give it a chance to sit for a bit. Cello also asks here, and when it comes to gassing uh, of tap water, I heard a minimum of 24 hours, but is there a maximum amount of time you want to give it? I usually leave a five liter bucket with a pump in it, a pump going in it until I've used all of the water I've stored in bottles which can be a week or more when growing in soil but the best thing to do is you know when you're going to water your plants like oh i gotta water my plants tomorrow and if that's the case go fill your bucket up with your tap water put your air stone in it and let it sit for 24 hours and then uh mix up the food you know add your food to it after don't do it and then leave it sitting there for 24 hours you can do that if you like but it's best to just add it an hour before you want to feed for example because you want it to mix up nicely as well get around everything so fill up your bucket add your air stone to it let it sit there for 23 and a half hours and then add your nutrients to it ph it last let it sit there for 10 minutes just so everything can find the right balance you know and then you check your ph and your ec and the levels should all be well mixed from there that's the best mm -hmm. way to do it you know you don't want to let nah. it sit in water you know if you're putting it in bottles or things like that if oxygen can't get to it then bacteria might grow and the bad bacteria grows when oxygen doesn't get to it if oxygen does get to it this is why you'd use your air stone then any bacteria that would grow would be good bacteria aerobic yeah. bacteria this is why you use your air stone dr green thumb no i don't feed at 5.2 it was just as an an idea to give you an idea of what i meant when i was talking about letting it raise or sit or whatever yeah, yeah. um feed at 5.8 so I'm, I'm in i'm in cocoa so i'm 5.8 um, and I'll raise up to about 6.2 when I'm hitting flower. Yeah. I'll usually bounce from six over six to the flower somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, word, weed nerd DWC said humid, humic acids break down chloramine. That's right. You can, and the chlorine will evaporate, but there's also chloramine, which won't evaporate so easily. That will be left in the water, but you can use humic acid or even vitamin C to break down that stuff as well. Yeah. You can get some stuff from, um, who is it? Absorbic acid. They've got some stuff. Yeah. There's, there's different acids mm -hmm. that will, break mm -hmm. down what's in there but uh leave it to sit for at least 24 hours yeah mm -hmm. uh filmy bowls said uh he lets his water sit for a week to reduce the chlorine yeah that also works i use rainwater. there is no sitting mm -hmm. just straight out yep. the, out the bucket and straight into the tent because it's mm -hmm. perfect same That's i'm 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 using rainwater for that reason it's just easy and plus because we're not on town water so yeah. you want <laughs> your free cow mag what's wrong with you man Green the, uh, mag, uh, along with everything else that comes with it. <laughs> well, the plants evolved, if you think about it this way. The fluoride is calcifying my perineal gland. What's it called? They, they evolved <laughs> to use the rainwater. They don't need the chloramine and crap, you know? 
That's yeah. right. That's right. Rainwater is the best ship. You know, if, in... you can, if you can use it, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, if not, you might be able to use RO water, but reverse of osmosis kits that are a bit works expensive. really well too. I've, I've used that when I can't get rainwater. Mm-hmm. No complaints about RO, but yes, it is. It's more expensive and takes more time to make. Uh, 24 hours for chlorine, but really. It never rains in California. Equal. Yeah, that, there's a song about that. Yeah, I've heard that one. But uh, it's also as well, you've brought up a good point there, Weed Nerd, is letting the water get to a correct temperature. When you're getting it out of the taps, if you're using cold water and it, you're just filling up a bucket, that's going to be some cold ass water. If you pour that straight on your roots, the roots are going to get shocked. They won't be as happy as they could be. But if you let the water sit in the same room as what the grow rooms in, then it wouldn't be so much of a shock when you go to water your plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So it's less shock on the roots. They can drink better that way. Yeah. But there's one last little bit from from uh, Gillette here. It says, last one, separate bottles for pH, grow, and bloom. Essential garden equipment or wasted money aims towards bro scientists. The panel will decide. Uh, yeah, just use pH up and down, man. It's, it's easy to use. I mean, it's a bit strong, so dilute it. That, that is always a good idea. That's also in the pH episode, if you want to go back and listen to that one. Yeah, tell you there how are. to do all of that. There are other things you, you can use different ways. Um, like, you know, you can use bicarb to bring it up. You can use citric acid, so lemon juice to bring it down. They're not going to be as stable um, as what the up and down would be. So that's that's probably the biggest point is, you know, mm-hmm. it's it, and also you, you're going to have it different, different chemicals are going to react differently. So a lot of those pH up and pH down are designed for hydro setups and designed to not really react as much with the other chemicals in there so so dj uh, dr green thumb said i've been doing bad straight for tap to plant good lesson now it's not like you've been doing bad they'll still be okay mate you know as you can see you've you've been doing your thing and i'm sure everything's been going along fine it's just to get the really good shit and to make the plants really happy you find out all these tiny things these little things that make a difference and over time they all add, add up and you're producing real good shit because you've learned all these small lessons. So it's not like you've been doing bad. You've still been doing fine. It's just, you know, there's different ways to do better as you move forward. Yeah. That's yeah. all practice. And it's yeah. all just, just, you know, a bit of research here and there. And, and um, you know, you, you may find your tap water isn't all that bad, um, but you, I mean, you are going to have uh, chlorine and things like that in it too. So um, yeah, it won't kill everything, but slow it down as we had said. That's, that's, it, it can cause other issues. Um, but as so, long yeah. as you grow in, it's all good. You learn. You should go along. That's it. That's it. it. The more you grow, the more you learn. Mm-hmm. That's all the questions we have. And there we go, everybody. That was this week's Grow Guides. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned some things. Uh, this is going to be the last Grow Guides before our 100th episode on YouTube. So if you're free on Sunday, then come and join us for the live stream because we're going to be giving some things away, some seeds, stickers, some trays, mugs, things like that. Just random stuff we will be giving away on Sunday's show. So if you are not a subscriber already, then head over to youtube.com slash high on homegrown, subscribe and come and join us on Sunday's show for a chat and some random shit as we do. 
But it's been a pleasure. It's, it's crazy how we've reached the 100 episodes. It's been two years now we've been doing this podcast and there's a lot of hard work that has gone into this. And it is a massive pleasure to have all of you guys join us and still be with us after this amount of time. I hope you've enjoyed all the content that we've put out and I hope you enjoy the content that we're going to put out in the future as well. It's been a cool ride. Thanks for being on the journey with us. It's been awesome. But uh, for now, don't forget to head over to percysgrowroom.com, sign up, become a member. It'll be good to see you over there as part of the community. But for now, have a good week. Stay high, stay safe, and I hope we can see you on Sunday for the main show. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.